stand in front of the mirror But I don't like who's looking back at me Wish I could see things clearer Oh, like who I'm supposed to be In every trial, lift me higher Through the fire, hold me tighter Remind me again that I was made for more
morning, everybody. Oh, forgot to turn on my camera. Sorry about that. There we go. Good morning, everybody. It's Pastor Randy here with Made Free Church. Um, hope you guys are having a great morning. I know I am. Every morning that I get up with Jesus is a good morning. You know, um, it's such an amazing time. Let me turn on some music real quick. All right. It's going to be kind of weird. That's all right, though. Sweet. So, um, weird. All right. So, you know, I hope you guys are having a good morning. I know I am. You know, um, I've been struggling with a few things, so I need your guys' prayer. Um, and, uh, you know, I just want to say thank you guys uh, for the continual prayer for this church, um, you know, for the planting of this church here in Idaho. And, um, just continue to pray for us, man, you know, because uh, we truly, truly need the prayer. We're trying to get this church open here in Weezer, and, you know, um, it's been a, a long road, but uh, it's been a good road. It's been a, a learning road, right? And uh, so, guys, continue to pray for us, um, and continue to pray for this church. Uh, you know, we're looking at ordaining a few men and, uh, you know, to raise them up as well in their areas. And so just keep that in prayer as well. We've been talking about it. We've been talking to the men. So, um, just, uh, pray for that. All right. All right. Cool. Uh, today we're going to be continuing our, our series in the Apostles Creed. Um, and today I want to examine what it means to believe in Jesus Christ as God's only son, okay? So we're gonna be in, in Luke chapter one, verses 30 through 33. That's Luke chapter one, verses 30 through 33. Um, so guys, just a, a, a quick announcement. Guys, if you guys need prayer, please go to madefreechurch.org, right? Um, you know, uh, there's a little prayer request tab. We'd love to pray for you. Um, you know, we believe in the power of prayer and we believe that prayer is essential in our Christian walk. So um, you'll see a, a little thing there that says prayer requests go down there. We believe in the power of prayer. So, all right, well, let's pray in. Heavenly Father, we just come before you and we just want to say thank you for your word and thank you for this time, God. And we love you. Get this lowly preacher out of the way and let your word go for a word, Heavenly Father. We thank you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, let me recite the Apostles' Creed. Okay? It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried, descended to hell. On uh, the third day, he rose again from the dead, ascended to heaven, and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. Now, guys, this is not saying, and I say this every time because people have a hard time with the word Catholic. Catholic means universal. And we're not talking about the Roman Catholic Church, and we're not talking about the Catholic Church in general. We're talking about the universal church. Okay? So when I say Holy Catholic Church, understand 
that I'm not talking about the Catholic Church. I'm talking about the Universal Church. And that's what this Apostles' Creed is, is speaking is better well. The communion of the saints, the forgiveness of the sin, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Guys, when I share the gospel with a person or someone, I sometimes ask them, <laughs> who do you think Jesus is? And the answer that I receive sometimes is, well, Jesus is the Son of God. Yes, that's true, right? But so am I. The Bible says that I am God's son too, I tell them, right? In Galatians 3.26, it says, For in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. Now, usually, my response will cause that person to kind of re you know, react, kind of like he looks puzzled. Um, and I can see him really thinking to himself, this guy has a serious identity problem. You know, and, and then a while after, you know, that we've been talking and stuff, you know, I tell him, well, the Bible says that I am a son of God. Only Jesus is the son of God. In other words, Jesus is God the son. Uh, and, 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 and there is a world of difference between the two, right? So today... We come to the part of the Apostles' Creed which identifies Jesus as God's only Son. And, and what does that mean? What, what, what does it mean when we affirm our faith in Jesus Christ, God's only Son? So, first, God, Jesus, excuse me, Jesus is God's Son. The term Son of God is used in different ways in the Old Testament. It's applied to the, the Israel as a nation. For example, in Hosea 11.1, 1, it says, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And you can see that also in Exodus 4.22, where it says, Then you shall say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, Israel is my firstborn son. The term son of God is also applied to the promised king in the house of David in, in, in 2 Samuel 4.17 and Psalms 89.27 and to angels in Job 1.6 and 38.7 in Psalms 29.1 and to pious people in general. You know, Genesis 6.2 and Psalms 73.15 and Proverbs 14.26. In the New Testament, Jesus... Uh, uh, is the you know appropriated the term son of God and his disciples and even demons occasionally ascribed him uh, or addressed him by it right you can find that in Matthew um, fourteen thirty three also you can find it in Matthew four three and eight twenty nine right and so the term son or son of God is used in 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 a number of different senses right. This is particularly so when used in reference to Jesus. So let let it let us observe just a few ways in which Jesus is God's son. First, Jesus is God's son in a tri trinitarian sense, right? The term son of God serves to designate Jesus as the second person of the Trinity. Right? This is the most profound sense in which the term is used. And, and, and in all probability, Jesus himself invariably employed the term in that particular sense. 
Jesus clearly used the term in this way in Matthew 11:7 when he said to the words to the crowd, all things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Right? You see that in Matthew 14, 28 through 33, Matthew 16, 16, uh, Matthew 21, 33 through 46, 22, 41 through 46, and 26, 63, and there's a lot of other parallels too. So, Jesus, all, Jesus understood himself to be the second person of the Trinity, right? The second part is Jesus is God's son is in an official sense, right? The term, the, in the sense the term son is a descriptive of the office of Jesus, right? Jesus is frequently called the son of God as God's heir or representative. Demons evidence, evidently use the term in this way like in Matthew 8:29 when they said to him what do you want with us son of god have you come to tor torment or torture us before the appointed time right you can see that in Matthew uh also in Matthew 24:36 and Mark 13:32 um so in this instance the demons recognize that god has been sent by the Father to serve His will in this world, right? And and they refer to Him in this in His official capacity as the Son of God. Third, I can't ever say this name, but Jesus is God's Son in uh, a nevitistic sense. What do I mean when I say Jesus is the Son of God in a, a nativistic sense, right? Uh, Navitism has to do with belonging to an indigenous group or culture, right? Um, and, and so the term son of God is given to Jesus in the view of the fact that he owed his birth to the, the perennity of God. He was begotten according to his human nature by the supernatural oper operation of the Holy Spirit and is in that sense in that sense son of God right this is clearly indicated in Mark chapter 1 not excuse me Luke chapter 1 uh, verses 32 to 35 when the angel Gabriel told Mary the birth uh, you know uh, uh, regarding the birth of Jesus right and he said to him he, he said to Mary he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary? asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. So Jesus is God's Son in a number of different senses, right? Um, he is God's Son in a Trinitarian sense, in the official sense, and the, 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 natives, the, the nativistic sense. Nativistic. I think that's how you pronounce it. You can never do those $9 words, but I try. 
second, Jesus is the only begotten of the Father. The word begotten means to bear or to be born of, right? So we read this example in Genesis 5-4 in the King James Version, right, where it says, And the days of Adam after he had begotten Seth were 800 years, and he begat his sons and daughters. The expression only begotten, an expression used in the King James Version and, and also in the NIV, is used five times. In the writings of the Apostle John, it says that Jesus, as the Son of God, in John 1, 4, uh, verse, eight, uh, verse 18, uh, John 3, 16, John 18, 1 John 4, 9. In addition, it is used once in Hebrews eleven seventeen of the relationship of Isaac to Abraham. Now we read John 1, 4, and I'm using the King James Version, and, and it says this, and the word was made flesh and dwelt among us and he beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten of the father full of grace and truth with reference to jesus right this means that as the son of god he was the sole representative the being and character of the one who sent him The words only begotten indicate that unique relationship exists between the Father and the Son. This relationship did not begin at the incarnation, however. No, Jesus is the eternal Son of God. This truth is seen more clearly in John 1.18, right, where it says, No man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, um, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Here we see the eternal relationship between the Father and the Son clearly expressed. So Jesus is not only God's Son, he is also the only begotten of the Father. Jesus is divine, right? And third, right, uh, Jesus is divine. So the divinity of Jesus was not uh, was denied by some of the early church right in the days of the Reformation uh, the socius and the so so I can never say those words anyway followed their example and spoke of Jesus as a mere man right um, they not only denied the Trinity but the divinity of Jesus as a second person of that Trinity the same position that was taken by the by a host of liberal scholars, Unitarian, Jehovah Witness, and many others in our own day to day. The denial of the divinity of Jesus is made by those who disregard the teaching of Scripture. You know, for the Bible contains an abundant evidence for the divinity of Jesus. Now let's note of some, uh, some of the ways which Scripture asserts that Jesus is divine. First, Scripture ascribes the divinity of Jesus. Scripture explicitly asserts the divinity of the Son in, 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 this, in such passages as John 20, verse 28. 
Jesus, as you recall, had risen from the dead and appeared to the apostles except Thomas in John 20, 24. So the other disciples told them, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into the side, I will not believe it. You know, a week or so later, is after later, his disciples were in the house again and, and Thomas was with them. Through the doors, though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands. Reach your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. You know, you, uh, you can see that in John you know, 20, verse 28. Or I also see that in John 1.1. 1, 1, Romans 5, 9, Philippians 2, 6, and Titus 2, 13. See, Jehovah Witnesses distort this text in their efforts to deny the divinity of Jesus. They say that Thomas looked at Jesus and said, My Lord. And then he looked up to heaven and said, My God. This is a clearly an eisegesis reading into the text with what you want it to say instead of exegesis reading it out of the text and what it says. Right now, although there are a lot of other texts uh, of Scripture ascribing the divinity of Jesus, but this this one is the clearest one, right? Second, Scripture ascribes divine names to Jesus. Right, we we read about this, for example, in the prophecy concerning Jesus in the Old Testament. This is seen particularly particularly in Isaiah 9 6 where it says for to us a child is born to us a son is given the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called wonderful counselor mighty God everlasting father prince of peace you can also see that in Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3 Jeremiah 23 5 and 6 and Joel 232 third Scripture ascribes Jesus to his divine attributes, right? And let me mention a number of these, right? First, the scripture ascribes his eternal existence, right? In John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, the, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. You can also find that in Isaiah 9, 6. The Apostle John makes it clear that Jesus has existed from the beginning, which which is simply his way of saying that Jesus had no beginning. Second, Scripture ascribes omnipresence of Jesus. Omnipresent means to be present in all places at all times, right? Now that Jesus has risen from the dead and he is able to present in all places at all times. Jesus said in Matthew 8 20, for for where two or three for where two or three are gathered in my name, there I'll be. You can all see that in Matthew 28 20 and John 3 13. Also, Jesus, you know, so so Jesus is with the believers all over the world at the same time. Third, 
scripture ascribes the omnis the, the omniscience of Jesus. Omniscience means to have an infinite awareness, understanding, and insight, as well as possessing a universal or complete knowledge. Right? The apostle John said of Jesus, right? But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all men. He did not need man's testimony about man, for he knew what was in man. John 2, 24 through 25. Also, you can see that in John 21, 17 and Revelation 2, 23. And fourth, Scripture ascribes the omnipotence of Scripture. I mean, of Jesus. Excuse me. Omnipotence means to have unlimited authority or influence. The Apostle Paul wrote uh, to the Philippians and said in Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 through 21, But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, by who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body, right? You can also see that in Isaiah 9-6 and Revelation 1-8. And fifth, Scripture ascribes the immutability of Jesus, right? Immutability means not capable or susceptible to change, right? Speaking of Jesus and the writer of the Hebrews said this in Hebrews Chapter one, verses ten through uh, verses ten through twelve, and it says, "In the beginning, O Lord, you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, and you will roll them up like a robe. Like a garment, they will be changed, but you remain the same, and your years will never end." And you can also see that in Hebrews 13.8 as well. And fourth, Scripture ascribes divine works of Jesus, right? Some of the divine works ascribed to Jesus are the following. First, Scripture ascribes the creation of Jesus, right? The Apostle Paul wrote uh, to the Colossians and said in Colossians 1.16, for by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him. You can also see that in John 1, 3, uh, 1, 10, in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 2, and, chapter, and verses 10. Second, scripture ascribes the prominence of Jesus. Question 11 in the Westminster Shorter Catechisms asks, what are the works, what are God's works of providence? And the answer is given. God's work of works of providence are his most holy, wise, power preserving, governing all his creatures in all their actions. See, that this work of providence, scripture also ascribes to Jesus in John 3.35 where he says, the Father loves the Son and has placed everything in His hands. You can also see that in Luke uh, 10.22, John 17.2, Ephesians 1.22, and Colossians 1.17. And third, 
scripture ascribes forgiveness to Jesus, right? Jesus had just healed the paralytic and said to him, son, your son, your, your sins are forgiven in Mark 2, 5. And some of the teachers of the law were sitting there and thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus knew in, in, in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts and said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven or say, get up and take your mat and walk. But that you know that the son of man has the authority on earth to, for, uh, to forgive sins. And he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He took a, he, he got up, took his mat and walked in full, full view of them all. This, this amazed everyone. And they praised God saying in Mark 6, Mark 2 uh, verses 6 to 12, we have never, we have never seen anything like this. They've never seen anything like this. A man forgiving, a man who says he's God and you know, he's blaspheming, he's doing this, he's doing that, right? But then boom, he heals the paralytic guy and he gets up and walks. It's crazy, right? So we need to understand who Jesus is. That's that's why the Apostle Creed is, is, is so important and, and and you know confessions are so important, right? <laughs> because it, it talks about it and it tells on who Jesus is, and we're affirming that, right? So scripture ascribes the judgment to Jesus, right? That's the fourth. Peter in, in preaching to Cornelius in, in Acts. Uh, 10.42, he says, He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as a judge of the living and the dead. You can also see that in, in, in Matthew uh, 25, uh, 31 and 32, John 15.19-29, and Acts 17.31. In fifth, Scripture accords divine honor to, to, to Jesus, right? We, we see this, for example, in, in John uh, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. It says, Moreover, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son, that all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. So in all these ways, we can see how clearly Scripture ascribes the divinity of Jesus, right? In the Apostles' Creed, we affirm that Jesus is God's only Son. When we recite the statement, we are affirming that Jesus is God's Son, that He is the only begotten of the Father, and He is also divine. Now, even though... Jesus is the Son of God, and you and I become sons of God through adoption. When we recognize that Jesus, that God is righteous and holy, and that we are unrighteous and unholy, and we stand under God's righteous condemnation and judgment, we cry out to Him for cleansing and forgiveness. In His grace and mercy, He hears us, right? He forgives us, he justifies us, he declares us righteous, and he adopts us into his family. 
and you and I become sons and daughters of God. And, and, and all of this is because of what Jesus, God's only son, has done on our behalf on that cross. You know, we should embrace that, right? We should embrace that truth and rejoice in it, right? You know, I know that right now, you know, we're going through some turbulent times. And I want to say happy Veterans Day to all the veterans out there and, and, and who served. And I also want to just tell them you are not forgotten and you are very loved, right? And um, yeah, I should have said that at the beginning, but I wasn't really thinking. So guys, please excuse me. Um, you know, but I have to say scripture gets first and foremost, right? But, um, you know, because of the United States, we live in a free country, you know, and there's other countries out there. I mean, our, our church in Uganda goes through a lot of different trials and, and stuff because they, they live in a communist country, which Uganda, you think was free. And, and when they had their other president, you know, a few years back, it was, you know, they were able to you know, worship and stuff like that. Now it's becoming scared. Is scarce, food scarce, this is scarce, you know what I mean? So, you know, pray for our church in Uganda, you know, pray, pray for them because we need it. But to the veterans who serve this country, thank you. You're not forgotten and you are so loved. And we just want to say, God bless you. And we pray over you. And if you're not a Christian, we're going to be praying over your salvation as well. All right, guys. Um, guys, we planted a church here in, in, in Weezer, Idaho, and, and we're just about done with it. You know, we got the walls up. Uh, we got the walls framed. We just got to paint the floors. We got to mud and paint the walls, and then, then we're good. We are asking you guys for your prayers because um, we need all the prayers because our finances are dwindling right now. And we, we need your help. Um, we need your help as far as financially, you know, um, we're still, you know, um, we're still way low on what we need to do. Yeah, we haven't even bought paint yet, mud, any of that, you know, so we can use your financial support as well. And if you would like to financially support us, um, you know, uh, you can go to madefreechurch.org, you can go to Made Free Church Idaho uh, tab, or you can give through our giving um, on the website. And you can give three ways. If you give through the website, you can give through our Cash App, PayPal link, or you can send a check or money order to the address that's provided. Um, and guys, thank you. You know, thank you for all that you guys do and in your prayers man because they're they're definitely 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 needed and guys if you want to check out my own personal blog site and my own personal website you can go to uh, reformpastor.net that's reformpastor.net and we want to thank you for being here guys we want to thank you for listening god bless you you guys are awesome we're praying for you heavenly father we just ask lord that you just bless everyone that's hearing this on the podcast and on, on uh, uh, Made Free Church Facebook page or Made Free Church Idaho uh, 
page or, or even on YouTube, Lord. And we just ask you bless everyone who listens to this and bless everyone's day, Lord. Bless their hands and feet as they go to school, work, or whatever they do. Lord, bless their families. Lord, bless them in Jesus' name, Lord. Thank you, God, for our salvation. Thank you for all that you've done on that cross for us, Lord. Thank you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. You guys, I, I hope and pray that you guys have a great day. God bless you. Um, and we will see you on Sunday for Sunday service. God bless.